Hey, 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 y'all. Welcome to the episode to the episode number three. <laughs> I just pulled yeah. an Andrew call. I just you pulled totally an Andrew did. Call. Just read the script. I'm telling you, it's, it's easier than you think. It's easier than you think, people. Not just because she has ophthalmic something, something. Well, there's our cold open. <laughs> Perfect. Yo, welcome to episode number three of Take Me to Coffee. Yo, this is a mentorship podcast for you in the digital age. This is for the doers and the builders and the people who are making things from the ground up. The best part of a coffee date is getting personal with someone who's been down the road before you. So this is your weekly chance to pick the brains of some super smart people. And soak up a whole lot of inspiration. Hmm, inspired I am. Hey, Andrew, how are you? Oh, uh, you know, I'm fine. Just uh, hanging out here, doing some podcasting. Yeah. Some intro recording. Yeah. With two of my best peeps. Yeah. Producer Emily Howe. Yeah. Headache artist. Entrepreneur. <laughs> Headache artist. Businesswoman. Genius. Oh, Jessica Bryant. Man, can you be my hype person? I feel like that wasn't hype at all. If I was like, welcome, you know, like that, maybe like a Bruce Buffer type voice or I something. But so. maybe it's just, you know, that like, welcome to the room. Welcome to the stage. You don't get called a genius by people that often. That's a pretty, that's awesome. I, I'll just take that. I don't even need you to actually have the hype. No, just not at all. No. Just, She's a genius. Yeah, just introduce me as a Jess genius Ryan. and a headache Jess artist. <laughs> that's it. Headache artist and genius. <laughs> Jess Ryan. And then like you hear the like snare drum. Uh, jazz club we just stepped into. Guys, can you just wait five minutes because I have an ophthalmic headache and I can't see anything. Oh, I thought you actually said you were going to have another headache because we had to we had to curtail this entire podcast. Don't scare me like that. Oh, sorry. I can't be on here for all day. I'm such a good actor. You're so good. I was just going to say you're so good. I was like, is she being serious right now? And the look on our producer's face was like, uh, we don't have much more recording time because we can't afford anything on a shoestring budget. Uh, but seriously, though, Jess, other than headaches, what else you got going on? I'm thinking a lot about the conversation we were just having before we actually turned the thing on about getting older and getting better at what you do and finding out how you can take that thing that you're really good at and and turn it into lots of other things. <laughs> right, but how it continues to change and evolve throughout the history, like you know, throughout the, the, the future and things like that. You find yourself wanting to do new things and you go, oh shit, I have a proclivity to do that. Or I have like a, a yearning to do something else and you just find yourself doing different shit because the same old stuff gets boring. Yeah, I was, I found it really interesting for you guys that are listening right before we turned the mics on. Andrew was saying that like, he's been an actor and he's a really good actor and I swear he didn't pay me to say that. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. God, I like I kind of bl I'm blushing if you can't see me. Patreon Coffee Club members, I'm actually blushing. Sometimes we like each other. <laughs> um, only every uh, it was a full moon last <laughs> night. That's why. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Oh, yeah. See, there it is. Yeah. And anyway. She's only nice around the full moon. And she gets ophthalmic headaches around the full moon. That's it. She's a witch. So she, who I am. It's true. Um, Andrew was saying he's, you know, he's been an actor all his life. And the way that that has evolved is like you went from that. And this is what I'm good at to like now I'm kind of interested in like script and writing and doctoring and helping improve scripts. That's such a surprising thing to have heard you say. But it makes a ton of sense. Yeah. And there's moments where I go, God, I really want to be a director too. And it's not just like kind of the ego in me or anything, because God knows, you know, every director has a bit of ego, but you look at a project and you look at the way things are done and you've done this thing for so long. Um, staging, I've been in rehearsals. I live for rehearsals. So like I love, love, love rehearsing. And that's what inspires me to go to work every day is because mm. there's like new shit out there. Like we mm -hmm. do this podcast all the time. I'm like, I want to listen from somebody else. I want new stuff. Skill acquisition. Hey. And can we just like ding that? Producer Emily, can we every single time that I say scale acquisition in a uh, <laughs> podcast or whatever and just have like a season long count of how many times I say skill oh, acquisition or acquirer of skills, we could really make that happen. And once we get to the end of the season, we could play a drinking game with that. So that could Ooh, be cool for everybody out there. That's good. Hey. Oh, oh, I was thinking more like a tally ding, like a, yeah, no, she'll change it. Okay. Yeah. She just mouths the words. I'll change it. <laughs> Thank you for that because I really understood it. I'm a great lip reader too. That's one of my talents, my little unknown skills. Um, where was I? Uh, bird walking. <laughs> I, I digress. I digress. Bird walking.
walking. What's bird walking? A bird walk. Oh you never heard God. of bird walking before? No. It's like it's like a bird's on a path, and then all of a sudden he like deviates and goes off on the other thing. And I, no. I go, it's tangential. You know, you're like, oh yeah, oh. no, no, this is my thought. No, 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 no it's not something else. And I walk you away. just walk. gave me words to own something I have to explain to everyone whenever I'm like working on something with someone, and I'm ide- I'm in the middle of like ideating yeah, it. Yeah. I always have to say, just stick with me because my the the way I have those ideas and the way I put everything together is my brain goes. Like in a supernova, all in 360, uh-huh. and then it comes Fuck. back in and sucks. You know what I mean? Right, right. So bird walking is, is a much easier way to describe that. My brain's about to go bird walking, so just hang on and stay with me. <laughs> oh my god! Could you see just like a gaggle of geese be like, pew, 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 and then all of a sudden, <laughs> and then it goes back in? Yeah, it's like. Listen, the- I'm doing so. I'm doing a lot of things. Again, Coffee Club Patreon members of Coffee Club TM2C Podcast, check us out because we're doing a lot of hand motions. Here. There's a lot of puppetry going on. There's there's so many things that are being explained in nonverbal form that you need to get back on this podcast. And I feel like we need to get back on topic. The po- okay, so I do. I have I have an on-topic thing to say. So in this episode, okay. which is amazing, with the amazing Laura Benke, entrepreneur working in, in female empowerment and fashion, which is so cool. Anyway, you'll hear her talk about um, the, being in the middle as an entrepreneur. You hear a lot about the people who are like in the beginning, like, how do you start becoming an entrepreneur? How do you get that first idea? How do you get it off the ground? And you read a lot about the people who are at the top of the entrepreneur game, right? Who have like made their six or seven figures. And here's how you do what I did. But she talks a lot. And I thought it was really interesting about the being in the middle of things. And I swear this has something to do birdwalking with what you were saying, Andrew, because I find I'm also in the middle, I think, but what I'm finding that's interesting as a person who is adding on different, like building things based on my skill sets, aside from acting and directing, which is like my core, right? The thing that I'm very best at. Mm-hmm is that it kind of starts to, at least for me, it's starting to snowball. And whereas I sort of was like, oh, I'm an actor director and I'm building this company called Broadway Unlocked. Now, like literally within the last three months, I now have three companies. I'm building three brands, uh, which I didn't really intend to do. And I find myself fretting a lot about like, how do you make sure you're not doing too much? You know what I mean? And you're building strong companies where the profit and loss statements make sense. They don't require you as the person to be in every corner of each of those things. Cause I really want all of these things to be as successful as, you know, the indicators say they're going to be. Yeah. It's uh, like, you just want something to have like uh, the greatest Zen quote that I've ever heard. Like, and I think it's Dallas, uh, when it's time to bake bread, bake the best bread that you can possibly make, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. I use that analogy a lot in my work. And I'm just like, hey, listen, when it's time to focus on one thing, you don't want to spread through t- too thin. That's the explanation generally. But with what you're doing, I think it's like, how do I find myself focused enough on each project to mm-hmm. make it worthwhile or to make it come to fruition in a way that I want it to make it? And then cutting out that middleman or whatever, or like people being in the middle is something that I find fascinating because there's so many people out there who, again, talk about the final product, mm-hmm. talk about the beginning. But nobody's like, what do we do when we're in it? Right? right. I think we talked about this on another episode. Is like it's kind of the same thing. And I re- devolved this back to the the acting world, anyways. Like, and I, I want to have this project. I think I talked about this on the podcast or one of the episodes, future or past. I'm not sure because we're on a Christmas Carol <laughs> kind of a thing right now. Um, <laughs> You're wanna... just just pinballed <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I know it goes everywhere. Uh, it, but I'm coming back to topic. So there's one thing that I talk about to a lot of kids, and I want to start a class about this. Is like you can, you know, people teach you how to audition, people teach you how to like um, get to a certain point, and you're like, how do I deal with stardom and all this other stuff? But those are conversations. You know, you see the end product, you see a star. Mm-hmm. But how do you keep a job? Ah, the middle, right? You know what I mean? That's the middle. Cool. That's the middle. And I go, oh shit, because if I'm an entrepreneur, like. And I know it's hard work and you keep your nose to the grindstone and I'm going to use all these other analogies, but metaphors and you work so hard, but at the same time you go, what is the focus? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's what I find so interesting about Laura's conversation with us. And thank God it's coming up in the episode because you get like on the heels of this, you're going to get that. Yeah. It's what is it that keeps you a invested and B doesn't let you waver. Yeah. Right. Like for through the long haul of the project, because it could be exponential. It could be long. It could be a year. It could be five years. It could be whatever. But like, I think it's the the passion that she spoke with. And for me too, it's the passion of like, I need to come to work every day. I'm giving this to somebody else. It's, this is the product that I'm going to serve to people, but I love serving it. Right. You know, what's so cool about that like as I'm putting it through my own processing chip Uh in my brain. Right. Another new thing that I'm finding on that note is that 
I act and I direct, and that's my service-based product. Yeah. I'm the product. I'm the brand. We don't even have to talk about that. I love it more than I can possibly express it in my heart. Right. But then I have these other brands that I'm building, right? And what keeps me moving forward and what starts to inform... When you're, when you're trying to fill in the pieces of the puzzle of a brand and decide exactly how it works and what you're offering and how you're talking about it... It used to be for me, I, I'm so mission driven that it used to just be, I just want it to be what I care about. I just want to make a brand and a business that supports this thing I'm super passionate about. But now because I'm finding myself bu building multiple ones, what happens is I say, I am so passionate about these companies needing to exist because they all still are, even though they're for profit, they're mission based, right? I, these like solve a problem in the world. But in order for them to exist, I have to be really like, I have to be smart. I have to build it to not uh, depend on my hard work because I'll fucking run myself into the ground and kill myself doing this, you know, and so have like, and she has and, in the past. Yeah, I mean, she's yeah. like, yeah, 100%. So it's I love uh, like I'm really enjoying that new facet of it. That's like, oh, OK, I need to make sure to carefully build this brand so that it right is profitable. You can continue to like uh, hire people. You can continue to build it and grow it like and with me just overseeing it basically i don't know it's just all really new because we don't well we, i was gonna say we don't deal with it in acting and directing but you just said it we need to we do we need we, to it, it's it is a systematic problem that that people and especially young people do not understand and it, you know it kind of goes it kind of it's taken for granted right you get into a job and you know how to work and you do this right but there's a lot of people out there who don't know how to keep a job mm -hmm. especially in today's society there's a lot of younger kids and i'm not saying this is all kids i'm not this is not a blanket statement this is very specific to a few people out there and i know there's a lot of people who work hard i don't have to qualify any of this by the way but i'm doing it <laughs> um there's a lot of people out there who just don't understand what it, they know how to get a job, but how do you keep that job? And how do you keep that job for the long haul? Because I know that's not maybe the end thing that you want or the mm -hmm. result that you want, but you have to put the work in to be able to appreciate, I think, to be able to appreciate uh, the end result. Like you don't, people just don't become stars. And if you do, right. you see a lot of those people that like just fall off the wagon because they don't know how to deal with that. Right. Right. I go, if you, if you think about it, another fucking metaphor, oh, Andrew, old Andrew with the metaphors, you think about <laughs> it from the tree, the tree base, right? You have to have the roots of the tree. You have the seed, plants the roots, goes topside, and then we go into this thing. And if it doesn't have a strong root base, you just cannot sustain mm. the life of the tree, right? Mm -hmm. I.e. your career, i.e. your happiness or whatever. And none of this shit works. You have to have it. It happens in nature. It's uh, across every genre of everything that you ever think about. Like if you don't have a good base or a solid base, you're never going to be fruitful. You're never going to be successful or you're never really going to be happy. And again, that's circumstantial in my opinion. Uh, what kind of tree would you be if you could be a tree? Oh, I'm going to be a fucking oak. I'm a bad <laughs> motherfucker. Oh, yeah. Why? It's like Why? so strong. Like because A, hardwood lasts forever, <laughs> tastes great with most everything that you barbecue it with. Oh, that's important. Because it all comes back to smoked meats. Let's go. Yep. Let's get real. It all I comes mean, back to smoked meats. Clearly. And then you you see some of the like the longest lasting furniture that you have out there. And I'm a big fan of like carpentry and things like that because I love working with my hands. It's like you see some of the most amazing things built out of oak. It's right? true. It's heavy. It's a very uh, a dense wood. So it's hard to nail through. But when you nail through it, that sucker's not letting that go. It's not letting that nail go. Right. I just asked this question to be twerpy, but now I'm like, this is what an interesting question because that's so indicative of you. And you know what mine I thought, because I never really thought about this before, but mine are those trees. I don't know what they're called. They grow on the Pacific Coast Highway, like up by Half Moon mm -hmm. Bay and stuff. And they're sort of okay. squat and they are they're tilted towards the ocean because of the wind. And they're right. I love those trees because they're so resilient and they're shaped by their uh, struggle basically no yeah. their struggle yeah. like to stay alive in the face of all of that like wind and crazy shit coming off the ocean and like how perfect is that for me uh who knew that I my love that dumb question was gonna actually <laughs> be meaningful what kind of tree are you guys tell us why yeah get at <laughs> us at tm2c podcast i want to know what kind of trees you guys think you are right that's what a weird funny thing <laughs> we've we've really digressed and we in the have. best way yeah. Uh, and we're getting yeah, right? the the really big, like the big wrap it up from our <laughs> producer, Emily. Oh, my God. Have we even talked about Laura at all? We did. Yeah. We talked about the middle. Okay, so well, we got to her a little bit. Listen, let's tell her. Let's tell everybody a little bit more about this incredible woman we interviewed today. 
Gosh, she's unbelievable. 16 years as a TV sports anchor and then turn that career into an entrepreneur boss lady of like a really dope company called the Life Actually Company. And I am like, I, I didn't know what she, about this company before. I am now, you can count me on their roster of like for early adopters because they support women uh, to feel good about themselves in their lives. Right now, they talk about t- taboo topics. They share female stories, but specifically like encouraging everyone to f- find passion and confidence in however the fuck you want to live your life. <laughs> Right. And kind of piggyback what we've been talking about here. I mean, it's she's 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 pivoted, right? What we've been talking about is like you find different mm. skill sets throughout your entire life. 16 years is a long time to be doing one thing, right? Mm-hmm. So you find your passion along the way. You find other little things that you're interested in. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, I'm not passionate about the thing that I started out, which, which is perfectly fine because you're not going to be passionate about one thing your entire life. You may be passionate about it if you're lucky enough to find that, but there's other things in there, right? You can career pivot. And she's like talking about dealing with the social pressure of how that pivot happened and what the kind of stigma was with that or how you could see it as a perceived stigma um, around quitting on your one goal to pursue something else and the hardship Mm -hmm. that kind of follows that whole thing. It's really kind of genius. Yeah. So if you are right now, if you're listening to this and you're like kind of trying, like in that place where you're like, I'm assessing my life. I feel like there's more. I'm not sure what it is. I don't know if I want to try something new. This is such a good episode. And I think that it will leave you with um, just a lot of fortitude in your heart for finding you and finding what you want to do and going after it. Absolutely. And the way that she speaks about it is so passionate and so wonderful. It's it really she paints such a brilliant picture of vulnerability and um, opportunity. Like it's it's fucking really inspiring the way that she talks about her passion and the way that she's excited about things. And you know what? I'm excited to have this episode. I'm excited. We had a great conversation. I'm just I'm really pumped about this. Yes, and don't forget that you can actually ask our guests questions and we will get those questions answered on the podcast. We'll have conversations around those questions. So head over to Twitter and follow us at TM2C Podcast. You'll see tweets in there with uh, the the video asks for our upcoming guests. So hit, hit uh, send and send us a question. Be a guest on the podcast with us. Okay. Guys, we hope that you enjoy this episode number three of Take Me to Coffee with Laura Benke. conversation and I'm not kidding because I fucking love women (laughs) who are like committed to saying the things we're not supposed to say who are committed to like excavating and uh, like digging under you know the challenges that we face every day I am not kidding this is like one of the conversations I've been looking the most forward to Oh, I'm so excited. (laughs) (laughs) I'm so glad we got introduced to you. And I, I was gonna, I wanted to start by asking like, do you have like a, this is a huge question for the first question, but do you know what the pivot moment was when you realized you wanted to build like a community online around your mission? Yeah, I think that's, that's a great place to start. It's a big question, but it's a great place to start. Also, I want to say I'm really glad that you swore right off the bat. So I feel like I, you know, I, yeah, I you're good. don't need to be inhibited. It's all good. Oh, okay. This is, Wonderful. Uh-uh. No, you, you're fucking, you're fucking welcome to fucking do anything you fucking want. Um, I spent 16 years in sports, people. Like every oh other word is a swear word where I, I used to be. So I'll, I'll, all right. I feel comfortable already. Um, <laughs> Well, yeah, like I just said, I spent 16 years in sports and my my dream starting in college was to be a sports anchor and reporter. Um, I wanted to be the sideline reporter on Monday Night Football, which then really became Sunday Night Football, even though there's still Monday Night Football. But that's the big one. That, th- that's what I wanted to do. That was my life. Um, and I would give up anything to do it. And in doing that, I did give up a lot. You give up your voice, your name your face, your entire entity is owned by your employer. So I wanted it so badly that I didn't even pay any attention to that. It it didn't mean anything to me. It was just, well, if I want this job, this is the contract you sign. I will sign how many times you need me to sign. I just, (laughs) I just want this job. Um, and you know, I was in my early twenties when this started. So I wasn't thinking about all of that. Also being an entrepreneur wasn't really a thing. I graduated from college in 2002. And if you could have, you know, if you would have told me that I could start my own business, I would have been like, well, I don't live in Silicon Valley. I'm not a, I'm not a tech 
person. I, I can't do a startup. Um, and so that wasn't even an option. Like that type of a thing, like you just went and worked for somebody else. So that's what I did. Uh, and social media wasn't a thing back then either. So this idea that you could actually find like-minded people was not even in my brain yet. So, you know, I did that. 10 years go by still. It was my dream. It was what I wanted to do. I just kept, you know, signing away my rights mm -hmm. <laughs> each time I went. Um, but I kept moving up the ranks and moving up the ranks. And I got to New York. Um, let's see, almost nine years ago. So I actually worked in New York at a television station for seven years. And that was my dream. It's the best city in the world. It's the number one market in the country. It was, it was everything I thought that I had totally wanted my entire mm -hmm. life. Uh, and it was, you know, it was great in a lot of ways. And I don't want to, I don't want to take anything away from, from my TV career. It was, it, it, I learned a lot. It was my dream for so long and, um, you know, but priorities change and we change and we grow up. And I guess over those seven years, I just started to, to kind of shift what mattered to me. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I had spent so long as a sports reporter, as a female sports reporter, only wanting to be a sports reporter. Like I hated when people called me a female sports reporter or, you know, a chick doing sports or whatever. I hated it. All I wanted to be was a sports reporter. Like that's it. And that meant so much to me. But what I started to realize as time went by was that by pretending I wasn't a woman, that's, that's basically what I was doing. I just wanted to fit in with the guys. And that meant just being a guy. And so I, I tried to talk like them. I tried to act like them. I tried to do everything I could to not stick out that I was a woman and to just do my job and be one of the guys. Uh, and that got old. That, that really got mm. old after a while. And I started to realize, you know, wait a minute, I am a female sports reporter. There needs to be a place for female sports reporters in this world and not just us trying to be somebody else. Um, what I then realized is it's really difficult to find that place for female sports reporters um, when you really want to say that's, that's what you care about. Um, so I started moving mentally a little bit more further away. Uh, and I, I think the big pivot for me was when I finally started to embrace social media and started to, cause I've been, I was fiercely private my entire TV career for the most part. I did not want anybody to know anything about me that I hadn't curated and put out there. And like, I, social media was not something I wanted to do. And then I started to realize what you could actually do with social media and who you could actually connect with. And this idea that a community is possible. So probably when I was about, about a maybe about a year-ish outside of, of TV uh, or about outside before I left TV is when things started to kind of click in my head that I wanted something more. Uh, I started to become incredibly aware that I did not own anything about me. Um, I tried to start a fashion blog because I've always loved fashion. Nope, that wasn't allowed. Um, so, you know, I went through, I went through some things in TV that I, I unfortunately cannot talk about. Um, but what I can say is it really made me understand and realize that as a woman in TV and in sports, I was never really supported as a woman. Uh, and that wasn't okay. That really was not okay for me. It was, it was a boys club that I was supposed to melt and mold into. And mm -hmm. I didn't want to do that anymore. And I started thinking, well, what ways can I shift the narrative, at least for me, because I know I'm never going to change. Well, I personally was not going to be able to change the TV world and the way women are treated in that world. Um, and maybe it was a better place for me to try to connect with the actual women in ways that I could and help empower them and support them and motivate them to feel powerful and feel strong and know what they were capable of so that they wouldn't allow themselves to be put into positions that I was put in at certain points. So that was when it became really, really important to me. So probably about a year before I left TV. So about three years ago, that's when the mindset sort of, sort of started to shift. Then I left TV and was kind of like, wait, what am I supposed to do now? And <laughs> I knew kind of what I wanted to do, but man, just figuring it all out is hard. So really about the beginning of this year is when what I'm doing now finally started to form. So, you know, this was like, three years in the making and I'm still trying to figure it out. 
That must feel really fucking exciting. (laughs) It it is. Oh my God, it is. I I feel for the first time in my life that I'm me instead of who I think my boss thinks I should be or who the viewers think I should be or who anyone fucking thinks I should be. Like, I don't care anymore. This is, I finally get to do me and not have to look over my back and worry, is my boss going to yell at me? Am I going to be told you have to take that down? Am I going to be told to censor yourself? And nope, nope. I I mean, I don't want to make my mom, you know, offended or anything like (laughs) all the the swearing and stuff, whatever. But I mean, she clearly raised you right. I mean, that's fun. Yeah, exactly. Well, she likes it when I come home and I swear, then she feels like she can swear because (laughs) it does serve a purpose. Uh, But yeah, it's awesome. Speaking of serving a purpose, we do have a theme running throughout this entire podcast and God. that I've, I've created myself and you said it actually. And that's why I threw my hands up because I was like, just do me. I'm going to yes. do me. Yes. And I think that, know- is a, uh, that is a hugely simple statement that um, kind of embodies an entire uh, mindset that goes on through like, you know, conditionally all across all of our uh, entrepreneurs and everything that people want to start up their own things. They want to do their own stuff. They're going to do me and people are going to be interested. And I'm, I'm fascinated by all of these young people and you know middle-aged people yeah. or whoever finding themselves at a certain age and just figuring out it's i'm just trying to be who i am innately mm-hmm. and, and once mm-hmm. you finally break out of that you know uh shell or whatever mold uh, as you put it um you finally discover that you can be successful on your own i, I think that's just so fascinating to see well and that's so much of like what i'm doing now the you know the the life actually company is born out of that fear of being who you truly are like this. And in this case, it can be the mold of what you think your life is supposed to be instead of embracing who you are and, you know, not getting married when you think you're supposed to get married just because you're with somebody and, oh, I'm now X age. I have to marry this person because I'm with you Mm -hmm. or feeling like you have to have children in a certain way or, you know, Whatever it is that and the job, I mean, that was such a huge, the career thing was such a huge thing for me. I stuck in that mold of what I thought I had to do because, oh my God, when I was 22, I said it was my dream. So if I stop doing it now, does that mean I'm a phony because I I just quit my dream? Is it still my dream? Yeah. Have I given up on my goals if I haven't achieved that thing? You know, like you feel like you're letting yourself down in a way, but you're not. You've just grown. I think that's what growth is. That was huge. My huge fear. I thought about leaving TV for many, many years because let's be honest, I'm a woman. I was doing sports. There's a shelf life. You do not see many 50, 60, 70 year old women doing sports, doing news in general. You see men, but you don't see women. I knew I had a shelf life, but I was so afraid like, well, what else am I supposed to do? This is who I am. And then when I finally realized this isn't necessarily who I am, I'm allowed to change who I am. I, I mean, can change who I am every single day. Like that's the beauty of all of it. But my biggest fear in thinking about leaving TV was always worrying, well, I didn't quite get where I wanted to. I didn't mm-hmm. host, I wasn't the sideline reporter for Sunday Night Football. I, wouldn't, I wasn't on a national network and I worried I'd leave and just always think about the what ifs. And you know what? I walked out of that station on the last day and I have not thought about it for a second. That is how I know I was ready doesn't matter. I don't care where I got to at this point. Like now it's different. It's, it's a different track. It's me. And it's so much more exciting. It is a crazy thing, isn't it? Like when you, when you're the type of person who has always known what they wanted to do, whether that's like being a sports anchor or being a mom, like a stay at home mom and having kids, whatever that is for you. When the, the, the percentage of people that have that moment where they realize there's like things have changed or whatever, it's a lot more than changing jobs because I, right? It's like a little bit of rewiring your identity, which is not a small task. It is not. And you know what? I, I left TV. Um, it'll be two years in December. And so basically all of 2018 was what the fuck? What did you, what did you just do? You know, not only was the paycheck not coming in anymore, but I always, you know, I always thought, I'm on TV, but, but that's just part of what I do. And that's part of who I am. It's, it's no big deal. Do I love telling people I'm on TV? Oh, I mean, sure. But (laughs) what I didn't realize until I was out was how much I personally had tied my identity into what I did. And so all of last year, 
I was anywhere, anytime I was out in public, anytime I was meeting somebody new, anytime I, I was doing really anything outside of my apartment, I was so scared for somebody to ask me what I do because uh -huh. I'm like, I don't know how to answer. How am I supposed to answer that? Like, I'm trying to start something, but I'm not even sure what it is yet, but, and I'm not making any <laughs> money, which to me has always been how you measure success. Are you making money? Oh, you are. So you're successful. Like that has been my barometer for my whole life. Yep. And that's not the only thing. So all of last year was like a personal identity crisis as I dealt with, I didn't want to be on TV anymore. I didn't want to go back. If you would have offered me that job or a better job or anything on TV, no hard pass right there. But I had no idea who I was and it just, it take, it takes time. You're right. It is a total rewiring. Uh, and also to go from, I report to someone, I do what I'm told, I have every single day, I have a list of tasks that I'm supposed to do. And when you're in TV, then you have a deadline, you have to have your story done by the six o'clock news or whatever your deadline is, to sitting down at a desk every day and going, <laughs> well, what am I supposed to do today? No one's telling me what to do. Oh my God. Which is super exciting, but also scary as hell because I don't fucking know what I'm doing. So yeah, it was last year was was really, really tough. And I, I admit, I'm still trying to, to get through all of it and figure it all out. But it's not easy to make a shift like this. But what I can say, despite all of those fears and all of those things that went through my head, I have not for a second regretted leaving TV. And personally, I have never been happier ever. So there's that. <laughs> hey, how many people get to say that? Not a lot. Yeah. Not exactly. a lot. Exactly. Yeah. And that's success right there too. You know, it's not yep. that I'm not, I'm nowhere near making the money that I used to be making. I know I will be. Um, and it's a process, but yeah, I have to, st I, I've stopped a little bit and I still have to keep reminding myself to stop gauging success by your tax returns and you know, what, what you submit each year and how much money you're making and, and all of that. There's a really nice, and I think this has to do with something I saw online that you like the own your narrative sort of hashtag. Uh, right? Own your timeline. Or own your timeline. Yeah, own your yeah. timeline. Yeah. I feel like, I think because this has happened to me before too, someone really well-meaning people who are measuring success in the same way that you're talking about right now will say like, uh, you know, someone, that Jess, like she's going to really make it someday. And, you know, your, I feel like your knee-jerk reaction is, of course, to be like, oh, my God, <laughs> I don't think I made it. But you're really doing someone a favor if you're able to sort of override that and, and have the vocabulary to say, here is why I have. Like yeah. here, are, this I, I can't believe what's happening in my life. And I'm so happy with it, even though maybe I know you want more for me. Mm -hmm. You want like the big stuff. But I don't know. I think there's really something to being able to like take some stock, like you just said, and be able to say, no, this is why this is successful right now. Well, and I think that it there's a there's a narrative that's really missing right now. Like we have so many entrepreneurs, we have so many people going off and doing these things that they that they want to do and they've always dreamed of doing. And and you find all these people talking about, you know, how to go from starting to hmm. six figure business in six months and like all these these things. And and then you have all of these amazing people who have done unbelievable things and do have a seven figure business or eight figure business or whatever it is. And now they're telling you, well, here's what I went through and it was really hard, but now here, here I am. And I know for me personally, yes, I want to hear those success stories and I want to hear how they did it. But sometimes hearing them say, you know, it was really hard and I had to go through all of this and, and, but now I'm, it's awesome. I kind of feel like shit because I'm still so <laughs> stuck in that middle. And, it, and, and that, that like, I, I can't, I can't relate to somebody right now who, yeah, you struggled like I am right now, but now you're totally crushing it and you're making, I can't necessarily right. relate to that. And it's making me feel bad. So what I'm really, one of the things I'm trying to do right now is be super honest about my journey and what's going on and how, and bring a narrative to when you're in the middle and that just yeah. because you aren't where you think you're supposed to be yet. And you know, you, you know, you're going to get there. You hope you're going to get there, but right now you're not there yet. And it's hard and it kind of sucks. And there are so many ways that you're judging yourself, but you know what? This is how it works. And do I know for sure I'm going to be successful and that I'm going to be everything that I want to be? Well, of course not. 
but there is so many successes along the way. Like just the fact that you're in the middle is a success because you started. So yeah. kind of bringing a voice to that, that middle struggle that like, guys, I'm here with you right now. I, I don't have it all figured out. I, I'm trying and I have some, I, some things that have worked and some things that haven't that I can pass on and we can share, but this is hard. But the fact that we're doing it is awesome. Well, listen, here on Take Me to Coffee, we actually get um, we get outside guests, or outside uh, questions from some of our listeners, and uh, I think we got a really good one for you right now. Fashion blogging is a really saturated market. There are a ton of fashion bloggers. How do you stand out in an industry that is full of competitors? It's a really good question. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it is. And um, that is what, so it's interesting when I, when I was leaving TV and I was like, I'm going to be a fashion blogger. This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a fashion influencer. I, I talked to a couple of highly successful bloggers who were kind enough to give me a little bit of time so I could ask some questions. And that was a question I asked them. Is this, is this too saturated? Mm. Have we reached a point where enough is enough and people are tired of it? And these people who were incredibly successful because they were in already like year eight of doing it. You know, they're the originals. Uh, we're like, no, I don't think it's saturated. I'm not sure it can ever be saturated because the way advertising is, is changing. It's going away from TV and newspapers and magazines because people aren't consuming media that way anymore. And now all these budgets are going into influencers. And I was like, yes, yes, that totally makes sense. I love that. I love the idea that, you know, you can be inspired to make a purchase based on what like a real person is using instead of, I don't, mm. I'm not going to buy something because Kim Kardashian uses it. Her life and my life are not similar at all. <laughs> What? If it's, I know it's crazy, right? We seem so, so doesn't similar. Seem right? I know, I know it's crazy. Um, but you know, if it's a regular old person, then that feels like a really genuine way to make consumer choices. Uh, but what I've kind of, what I've really realized uh, is that it is an unbelievably saturated market, and because so many people have decided much like I decided, well, this is going to be my way to start my own business, to go off on my own, to do this. And I mean, how, how tough can it be? I get to take really pretty pictures. I get to wear really pretty clothes and it's, it's going to be awesome. Uh, and so tons and tons and tons of people are doing this. Um, which means, yeah, it's, it's, you get swept up in all of it and not everybody is doing it the right way. A lot of people are, you know, purchasing things on social media, purchasing likes, purchasing follow, whatever it is so that they, mm -hmm. they can stick out to a brand. So a brand is going to want to work with them and they're doing things the wrong way because they feel like they have to. And I get that. I know that feeling. Oh my God, it would be so easy if I could just say, Oh, here's a hundred bucks. Give me a hundred thousand followers. And now I'm set. Um, and some have done that. Um, and at this point, it's really hard, even if you are doing it the right way, even if you do have a very unique sense of style, it's still hard to wade through all of that crap. Uh, also, because brands, this is a totally new world for brands as well. They, they've only been doing this a few years and their social media staffs tend to be, you know, the younger people who understand mm -hmm. all of this. So you've got young twenties, maybe making these decisions about what influencers they want to work with. Uh, and that's who knows how much experience they actually have. Um, and brands for better or for worse, they're going to look at your follower count first and foremost. And so lots of people cheat on that or people who are trying to do it the right way, just don't have that many followers. And so it's, it is so hard to try and make your way through this as a straight fashion blogger. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. There are, there are tons that are doing this and are making a crap ton of money and have a, what look like amazingly glamorous lives. And, but they've been doing this for a while. You know, the most successful ones have been doing this eight years, nine years, seven years, what, whatever it is, they were ahead of this massive curve. And so they will stand out no matter what. Um, those of us kind of trying to get in now, it's, it's, I mean, impossible is not fair because nothing's impossible, but it's very, very difficult, which is a huge reason that I wanted to start focusing so much more on the 
helping women, um, empowering women, talking about their lives instead of what they're wearing or just what they're wearing and, and incorporating both of those. You have to have something that's different, something that sets you apart, whether you are all about size inclusivity, if you are all about um, you know, supporting LGBTQ community and, and making that much more inclusive, whether you are I, I don't, whatever you can find that sets you apart, that makes you different, that's the only way to survive. And for me, what makes me different is that I really want to talk for the most part about what's going on inside and what ways we can help make you feel really good and then how we can complement it with a style. Um, and so that is a, is a huge reason that I decided to shift my focus as, as drastically as I did. Also because it makes me feel much more, um, passionate to actually help women in ways more than just what they put on their body. So in order to make it, you have to have something. And the, 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 clo the further we get into this and the more people who come in, that something has to be so, so much more unique by the day. Um, so it's, it's really challenging. I feel wow. like sometimes too, in business, straight business folks, sometimes will start talking like, well, you got to find your market segment and what's your differentiator and all these fucking words yes. and <laughs> they, they're real. And that's a real thing. But like at the heart of what you, what I'm hearing you talk about is really actually find what you fucking care about that, you, that will provide you with the longevity to ride this out till someone pays attention. Yes. Right? Yes. And definitely there's that, that element is so huge at, you know, at the end of the day, stop doing what, and, oh my God, you see it all the time, especially for fashion influencers, beauty influencers, travel influencers, whatever it is, they're doing the same thing. They saw what this other person did. Like here in New York City, there are some, well, there are so many Instagrammable spots in New York City, but there's a few <laughs> that some of the really big bloggers have gone to and taken pictures. And so now what does every other aspiring right. blogger do? Oh, I have to go to that exact spot and do the exact same thing. Or they just present their content in the same way as everyone else. Even if you don't have some groundbreaking, earth-shattering differentiation, at least fucking write in your own words or at least yeah. fucking go stand yeah, right? in front of a different do you? backdrop. Yes. Do you? Just do you? Because that's also what's going to make you want to keep doing it. I don't want to keep doing it if I'm just copying everybody. Like, where's the joy in that? So like, I, I think if you really want to get into this, you have to remember why or really figure out why it is you want to get into this. And if it is to do you, well, then do you don't worry about everybody else. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Or you love it so much that you keep going and you ride it through. So yeah, just don't think, oh, cool. I love clothes. I love buying <laughs> clothes. I love telling people to buy clothes. I'm going to be fine. I love pretty pictures. We're all good. It's not enough. It's just not enough. What a business plan. <laughs> yeah. <I> know. Right? <laughs> you know, it's funny because you, you, um, we're talking about like saturation in the fashion industry, but like that's the thing we got the most questions for you I on, I which is so interesting. Yeah. <laughs> which is awesome. So we have another okay. uh, one more. We'll just do one more of those fashion questions. Hi, my name is Dana and I was wondering how you feel about the environmental impact of fast fashion and what you're doing to counteract it. a good question. I love that question. Um, I love that question. It is not something that I thought about when I first started in this. And it was all about, because I felt like I had to make money right away. So, you know, affiliate links, trying to basically say, look at this sweater. It's amazing. It comes in five colors. You need every single one of them and it's under $30. Go buy it now. And, you know, you get like yeah. 30 cents given to you if somebody right. buys it off of your link. That is right. so much how so many of these fashion bloggers operate. And I was guilty yeah. of it for the first few months. And <laughs> right. I started, I really started thinking about it, I guess at the, probably towards the end of last year, um, I was inv invited to a couple events that Rent the Runway did. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, sustainability issues, there, there are plenty associated with something like a rental outfit as well, because, you know, the carbon footprint of getting it to you and all of that. But, but let's just talk mm -hmm. about actual, like sustainable, ethical fashion. Um, but going to events that they did, that's when they really started talking about it. And one of the events I went to, they were saying that New Yorkers alone in New York city throw away each year five, I think it's five. I could be wrong. So nobody like Google me and then say, no, you were totally wrong, but it's something insane like this. Five Brooklyn bridges 
worth of textiles go into our landfills this year just from New Yorkers. And that was like, whoa, okay, wait a minute. And I started thinking about my own closet and all the things that I would buy for that like hit of adrenaline of, oh, I just bought this dress and I'm super excited about it. And then you wear it once and then it sits in my closet. And it just, it started to make me feel really sick and just nauseous about all of it. And then looking at how so many of these bloggers are just like, yeah, here's these pair of pants. They're $30. Okay. If your pants are $30, most likely they are made from polyester or some other synthetic fiber that not only is not great against your skin, it is total shit for the environment. And I started really thinking about that. And I I know there's a, there's a few bloggers, one in particular that I follow, Jessanne Kirby. She made this decision towards the it was around the beginning of this year, she made the decision to go to totally change her um, fashion influencer. Well, she calls herself more a lifestyle influencer, but to totally kind of change her brand into sustainable ethical. So she will now only purchase things that are sustainable and ethical. And so I kind of looked at what she was doing and was like, you know, I'm not sure it's realistic for me to be able to say fully, you're going to stop doing all of this, but I think about it so much more. And if you have followed me, if you have kind of seen over the last year and a half, how I have been pitching things to you in terms of, of clothing and articles of clothing and, and styles and trends, I have really scaled back. I, I don't really do much of the like to know it stuff where you can get the you know direct link to the product so you can buy it because I don't want you to buy it because I'm telling you to buy it. I want you to buy it because it's something that you love and you know you're going to be able to wear for a really long time. So I did a whole thing in February. Uh, my husband and I went on our, our honeymoon in January to the Maldives, which was not exactly a cheap excursion. So I came back, <laughs> no. but it was amazing. Uh, but I came back yeah. in February and was like, holy <laughs> shit, I have no money. Like this is, I, 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 how am I supposed to be a fashion influencer and not buy any clothes? <laughs> So I did a no buy February. And so all February, I didn't buy a a single piece of clothing. The only things I did buy were like face care products because I'm obsessed with making sure that I always look less than uh, 39. Radiant. Uh, Yeah, thank you. Um, So I did that and I wrote a lot of articles about it, how to know what's sustainable, how to, well, first of all, how to shop your own closet, how to try and keep Mm. yourself from having to shop all the time, how to pick pieces that you absolutely love that you're going to have for a very long time that are, are, that stand the test of time that you can mix in trends here and there, but that classic pieces that represent your style classic is different to everybody. Um, but stuff that really speaks to you buy those, how we, you know, tips to not spend as much money. And then also tips for shopping sustainably and for looking at, to start looking at your shopping from a different standpoint. Like I look at labels now before I buy anything. And if it is 100% polyester, I love it, but no, I'm not, I'm just not going to do it anymore. And I'm certainly Mm. not going to tell you guys to do it for sure. Um, I just want to try and have people be a little bit more mindful. Um, And then Mm -hmm. also in turn, what do you do with the stuff you don't want? You know, here in New York City, there is textile recycling, which is amazing. And it's at so many of like the various farmers markets around the city. Um, You just need to Google it. And the website has all of Mm -hmm. that information about where you can go, but stop throwing away stuff. Take it, take it to be recycled. They can do that now. And it's, it, it makes me feel like I'm, you know, making my own little part each time I schlep like these huge bags of old textiles and donate them to be recycled. Um, that that's huge too. So any way we cannot throw things out and we can find other ways to deal with it. And even if you think that donating it, uh, like just dropping it off at Goodwill that now you're cool. Cause you didn't throw it away. Well, part of the issue is that so many clothes with fast fashion now are being made so cheaply and the material is right. so crappy. They don't have a second life. Like Goodwill gets stuff that they just can't use because it is so cheap and so crappy. So I cleaned out my closet this spring, like just cleaned it out. And the pile of uh, recycling was much higher than the pile of donating because I had to really think about it. Okay, this H&M mm 
t-shirt I bought for $5 two years ago. That's not going to do anyone a goodwill all that great, all that much help. And even then, even when you donate and somebody does buy it, well, then maybe they're going to throw it out at some point too. So it's just really thinking about what each of your decisions means and the impact it has. And again, it's way too much for me to be like, everybody stop buying everything that's bad for the environment. And it's also so hard to really know in detail what's good and what's bad. So I don't, I don't want to say anybody has to be that extreme, but just think about what you're doing and think about what you're purchasing and why are you purchasing it? Do you really need it? Are you doing it for a different reason? Can you use it? Do you love it? Um, and yeah, so that has definitely over the last probably six, seven months has become very important to me to kind of have that conversation. Um, and it's not just about, okay, I love it. I'm going to buy it. It's going to make me feel good, but is it really going to make you feel good in the long run? Um, so that I think is huge. And just how we are consuming things in general, just being aware of consumerism and how, what role we play in all of it. Uh, and I think it's something that's largely lost in the fashion community, not only with bloggers, but uh, designers as well. I mean, the amount of fabric that they throw away is appalling. Uh, and so there are now, you know, there are nonprofits that work on gathering up their old scraps of material and, and uh, recycling them. So there's all these types of thing going, things going on. So it's not just the bloggers and the influencers. It it really is a problem throughout fashion. Um, and, but it's really comes down to the individual decisions you can make because that's all that you can, can really control. I try not to go into Zara anymore, which I love. So that's hard, but it's all so cheap and it's so, it's just not good. It's just not good for the environment. Mm. I try not to go into H and M. They do have an environmental line, which is better. Um, but I just try to avoid it as much as I can. And it, it's not for me, it's not possible to totally ignore it, but I want to be mindful of each decision that I make. The folks that follow you, do you, do you hear reflected back or that there's some positive modeling going on? Like, do you hear from the folks that follow you that they're starting to pick that habit up as well? I, I hear and there a, a little bit. Um, it's, it's, I don't have a huge, huge enough following to really have a feel of, of, of how well it's working. A lot of people don't, you know, they're, they stay quiet. They just kind of watch from the mm-hmm. sidelines, but I, yeah, I have mm-hmm. had a couple of people, um, you know, say, I saw this that I really liked and is this, but do I really need this? Do I really want it? I've also had somebody send something to me and be like, is this okay? Should I buy this? Oh, cool. Cause it has, it has, you know, cause sometimes now you're going to have a mix of fabrics, you know, a mix, a blend. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there'll be like 10% polyester, but the rest of it is sustainable and ethical. Well, what do you do? Well, then that's a personal decision. You've got to decide if you feel comfortable with any of the polyester. The fact that it's not 100% polyester is much better. Um, but yeah, I, I think people are, are starting to, think about it, at least from what I am hearing. And people did respond to the whole no buy February thing too. I had a you know, cool. few handfuls of people yeah. who were like, I'm doing this with you. Um, this is really hard. Like, what do I do? I just saw these shoes that I have to have. And I'm like, be strong, <laughs> be strong. You can do it. <laughs> and there's a reason I picked February. It's the shortest month of the year. So mentally I was like, I can get through 28 days. Totally. <laughs> totally do this. Yeah. Ooh, day 14, you're like, oh God. Exactly. What have I, I done? But when you don't buy too, you also start realizing those triggers that you do have. And I I have them too. mm -hmm. I'm like, I mean, I haven't bought something in like two weeks. Maybe I should or or not, or just keep this Uh going and and just do you need it and go from there. Yeah. We need like the, uh, I'm not kidding about this. We need the the equivalent for fashion of the like way that Whole Foods tells you which fish <laughs> are overfished. Yes, exactly. I'm not no, like, so I want like, a red tab, a blue tab, right. a yellow tab. Totally. You know what I mean? That would be awesome. It, it would. And I, I don't think that that's that far out of the realm of possibility and what could start happening, especially now that you have these brands. There are certain brands that they are built around sustainability. And so they yeah. break it down in an effort to tell you why it's important that you're spending a little bit more money on this t-shirt versus if you went to H&M um, mm-hmm. and breaking mm-hmm. down like what these other materials actually do and explaining it and actually trying to educate the consumer. And that's just a form of education too. So, I mean, at some point I wouldn't be surprised. I don't know how far away it would be if there are actual regulations where it is required to say what your carbon footprint is or or what this shirt had to go through to get here. And so then consumers can very much make an educated um, 
choice. The problem is it's kind of the wild, wild west. And how do you decide mm -hmm. exactly what is sustainable, what's not? And there is a huge gray area too about what is really sustainable. It's one thing to use the fabric that's natural. It's another thing then, well, where's the factory? What are the people paid right. who are making right, it? How, right, how right. many miles does it have to travel before it gets to you? All of that stuff is in play too. But I think we're moving in that direction slowly, but hopefully. Like a fair Any trade of coffee rating system for exactly. yeah. yes, yeah. exactly for clothing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so wild. <laughs> uh, listen, I want to transition back to actually something because we have a segment here on Take Me to Coffee that is like if you if you were able to ask anybody you wanted um, a question like early in your life and you just want to sit down and take them to coffee. I actually we have our third question here and I'm gonna just go back a little bit. But they like if you were if your 20 year old self. If you were to talk to yourself, like, I think this question, like, kind of really, like, goes, goes along right with that. Hey, Laura, I would love to know what you would have told your 20-something self when you were sport, still in sports journalism. Um, I'm so interested in your growth and how you made the transition. I know that we pretty much answered this question earlier, but uh, I really just want to get your thoughts on it. Now that we've talked about sustainability and the impact it has on young people, um, what would you tell your 20-year-old self? If you were, you know, not just journalism, but also into the, into the fashion world, how would you enter? I, I think the biggest thing that I would tell myself is that no decision is final. No decision oh, you make so on good. your life is wow. final. Ugh. I think that yeah. is what I, when I was in college, I, first it was picking your major. You thought that, oh my God, whatever I pick, I'm going to go declare it. So that means that is what I have to do for the rest <laughs> of my life. And I was actually a theater major my freshman year of college. That's what I did all through hey! high school. Yes. <laughs> that was what I thought I wanted to do. And I realized, and I, I, and I was so confident in it that my first semester freshman year, I marched in and was like, I am declaring my major. And they're like, you're 18. You just started. You, you want to wait? I was like, no, this is, you know, I was so dramatic <laughs> at the time. This is right. what I'm doing. I'm going to be an actress. And I declared it. And I took some, uh, some classes that were, that one of them I had to audition to get into. So I was like, oh yeah, I got in my freshman year. I'm awesome. And I will be forever grateful for that class because I mean, I went to Wisconsin. I went to the university of Wisconsin. It is not a conservatory. Go yes. Go Badgers. Yeah. It is not exactly a hotbed for theater. Um, at least, but people <laughs> you know, would think it's not where you dream of going to start your Broadway career. Um, but I am really glad that the situation I was in in this class, I remember sitting in this class and this, this, the instructor did have a pretty successful career. He had acted all over the, the world and he was, he was a thespian through and through. And I remember sitting there, we all had to sit on the floor, like cross-legged to begin class. I think we sat on these little like, cushions. Of course, class. of course. Sounds right. <laughs> and I remember him telling us basically that entire semester, um, you know, I, I want to help you get to where you want to go. I want to, share with you my experiences so that you kind of know what to expect. But what I also want to do is make sure you realize what you're getting into and what this life is like and what this is. These are the things I went through. These are the jobs I awesome. had to do to pay the bills. This is what I had to do because I was so passionate about it that I would do anything. And he did not sugarcoat a damn thing. And he painted some really unattractive pictures about what he had to go through. And I just sat there going, Oh my God. So I'm not just like, I knew I, you know, I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but Holy shit. Do I have the passion, the real passion to do this and yeah. put up with everything else to do it? And I realized I didn't. And so I had a, that was a good lesson for me at night. At that point I was almost 19 to say, I can change my major. But even once I changed my major, then it felt like, okay, but whatever you pick now, this has to be it. So I really um, wish, uh, and, and looking at my parents, like my dad was a computer programmer um, and he did that from start to finish. And even now that he's retired from that, he's teaching computer science at my old high school, like that, but he made a pivot at, you know, at, at 55, 60, whatever it was. But I saw him at that point, like 
dad was a software engineer. He was a computer programming major, and that is what he has done his entire life. So whatever I do, whatever decision I make, well, that has to be it. And I really wish that I just could have had somebody sit there and go, cool, this is what you want to do now? Go for it. Work super hard, but you can change your mind. And you can change your mind whenever you want. You can be 60 and change your mind and not, yeah. not even in retirement. Maybe you can't retire. Maybe you do need to, to have a, a high paying job or, you know, pay, you have responsibilities. You can still make a difference, a choice and do something different at any point along the way you can. And to not only know that you can make that choice, but to also know it's okay to continually check in with yourself about what matters to you and does this still matter because that's going to change and your priorities are going to change. And maybe I would not have put up with so much crap as a woman and the things that I dealt with if I kind of knew, I'd always been told you can do whatever you want. My parents were really great about that, but I was also brought up in, to, in a environment where I was completely equal to my brother. My parents made sure that I forgot I was a girl half the time because I was exactly the same as my brother because we were given every single mm -hmm. opportunity. We were told you can do whatever you want. So I naively kind of went into the world not realizing there's gender discrimination. And I was told if you just work really, really hard, and this was my dad, this was my dad, you just work really hard, it will be noticed and you will be rewarded. Guess what? That's not true. So if I could have told myself that as well, you have to stand up for yourself. You have to advocate for yourself. No one else is going to do it. And as you're advocating for yourself and you change your mind about anything, that's okay. So that's what I wish I could have told myself. I'm going to clip that. It's going to be a Phenomenal. rude speech. Yeah, it's going to be right? all over the internet. Oh, my God. Brilliant. That's amazing. Laura, you have been phenomenal. This conversation has been amazing. Oh, you guys are great. I want to say thank you, like, from, you know, for opening up people's minds and being such a, just a wonderful person. Like, really, that's oh. what we need in the world is just wonderful people who are driven and um, positive in the way that we need to change. And it's just, it's really inspiring. I mean, being a, you know, a middle-aged white man. Um, we can change too. It's not just about the women out there. The men need to change. It needs to be a you know it's a hierarch group effort. Hier hierarchical yeah. it's a group effort, effort from everybody. Mm -hmm. yep. And it is uh, it's something that absolutely needs to be discussed every single time I get on here with you, lovely ladies. It's like, oh my god, I'm literally humbled and inspired every single day for the future <laughs> of this world because of you. Oh, you guys are awesome. Well, thank yeah. you so much. This was so much fun, and I mm. love I love that you guys are talking about stuff like this. That you're taking people from all different sorts of backgrounds, and that you're asking them to get personal about what it is they've done and accomplished. And I, I think it's awesome. So I'm honored to to have been able to chat with you for a little while. Well, great. Uh, listen, I want to follow you. I know people out there want to follow you. All our listeners want to follow you. How do we get in touch with you? How do we How do we talk to you? How do we see what you're doing? All right. Well, easiest would be Instagram. Um, I, I'm at at Laura B. Banky. It's L-A-U-R-A-B-B-E-H-N-K-E. Uh, my company is called The Life Actually Company. We're at thelifeactuallycompany.com. It's a bit of a, I'm a mouthful, uh, but that that's where we are online. I'm on Twitter, at Laura Banky, Facebook, Laura B. Banky, um, but Instagram and, and the website, those are, those are the places where I really live. So get on there, send me a DM, send me a message, comment, to, like, let me know you were listening. And I, I would love to start to really keep this conversation going with as many of you as possible. Uh, and yeah, I'm just super excited that I got the chance to kind of speak to all of you today. Hey, and just before we before we go off, I hear from a little birdie that maybe you have a podcast coming Ooh, up. Yes. So <gasps> when I, um, when I, decided that this was what I wanted to do, that the life actually company is what I wanted to, to begin. It really, it didn't start as a company. It started as the life actually podcast. And that was my, that was where this all kind of sprung from. I, I knew, Hey, I have public speaking experience. I have interviewing experience. I should right. be doing a podcast. Like I totally should be doing a podcast. And so that's how it all kind of started. And then my business idea came from that podcast. So the podcast is called The Life Actually Podcast. And each week I will be talking to a different woman who has her own unique story and has owned her timeline in her own way. And the whole point of it is that I don't have to tell you what to do to be happy in your life and be happy with where you are right now. I just need to start 
allowing people to share their stories and who they are and what they've been through. And just by hearing those, you start to feel a little bit less alone. And the panel that we did at my launch party was that, it was basically what the podcast is going to be like, but with five of the podcast guests all at once. And there were women crying in the audience. And it was not tears of sadness. It was tears of like hearing somebody speak and finally feeling like, oh my God, I know what that feels like. Oh my God, she's she's me. She's saying what I am feeling and what I am thinking and realizing that you don't have to know somebody. You don't have to look like somebody. You don't have to come from the same place as somebody. You don't have to have had any of the same ex- actual experiences as someone. But I guarantee you there are feelings, there are emotions, there are fears, there are struggles that will translate across the board. And so the more stories we can get out there, the more it helps women to accept who they are and where they are, which only is going to make their future and the things that they want to get out of life that much better because they're already happy and content and coming from a place of satisfaction. So that's what the Life Actually podcast will be. We're targeting October to, to launch it. Uh, but yeah, Great. that will be, that will be coming soon. So if you follow me either on Instagram or the website, you will have all of the details. So don't worry. Fantastic. God damn, you're awesome. <laughs> damn it, you're awesome. Aw, thanks, you fucking guys. Awesome. You guys are fucking awesome, too. Thank you for letting me swear, too. <laughs> Absolutely. You can do whatever you want on here. Cool. Cool. <laughs> we do. <laughs> hey, why have your own podcast if you can't do whatever you want? Exactly. It's our own personal playground. <laughs> exactly. There's no rules here. Exactly. I mean, there's a few rules. I, 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 I get... I get I get lists of rules sometimes. Yeah, some eh, okay. It is what it is. <laughs> <laughs> that was a really good episode, Andrew. I'm gonna say it was a really good episode also. Laura Benke. I just have two words for you. Laura Benke. Oh, guys, so don't forget, if you were as excited about Laura as we were, you can follow her on Instagram. It's an excellent follow, and that's at Laura. B Banky. We'll put that, we'll spell that out in the show notes. And on Twitter at Laura Banky. Uh, she also, as she mentioned, have has the upcoming Life Actually podcast, which I am going to be listening to uh, coming out hopefully October. And her website, www.thelifeactuallycompany.com. And you know what? You can head over to Twitter and follow us at TM2C Podcast to ask your questions for our upcoming guests if you have any. We want to hear them. So that's it for this episode of Take Me to Coffee with Laura Binky, which makes me sad. But you know, it doesn't make me sad, Andrew. What? Now it's time for the gang at home to hang out with us and do some things. Yeah, you know how that you do that? Make me sad. One, one. Check out all of our brand new episodes coming at you every Thursday on your favorite podcasting platform, wherever you listen. We don't care. Just get to listening. Two for special bonus content, including being able to see Laura's adorable Labradoodle Oxford, who makes Oxford. special guest appearances. Join our coffee club over at Patreon, www.patreon.com slash TM2C podcast. We have an awesome community over there and we want you to be a part of it. Your contribution helps us continue to make this podcast for you, with you, and completely ad-free. You heard it right here. Ad-free. Get your ad-free. Get at us. Three download these episodes and be sure to leave us a review tell us how inspired you're feeling after this thing and what you're gonna go do about it i'm feeling inspired i want to yell it from the rooftops i'm andrew (laughs) and i hate again (laughs) she hates andrew that's me bye Two out the door, then you have magic.